Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A couple of days ago, early in the week, I was thinking about what we're dealing with, the uh, truckers' protest. I mean, that's what it's called, generically, the truckers' protest, or the protest that goes along with the truckers' convoys. Just use whatever words you want. But I got to thinking about a column I'd read, an op-ed I read, and I thought, when was this? And who wrote it? And the second part of that came to me first. It was Professor Ken Coates, Canada Research Chair in Regional Innovation at the University of Saskatchewan. He's a Monk Senior Fellow in Aboriginal and Northern Issues at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. His books include What to Consider if You're Considering University, New Rules for Education and Employment, and Treaty Peoples Finding Common Ground with Aboriginal People in Canada. So I went back and I found that on the 4th of December, so long before the National Canadian Truckers' Convoys and Blockades began, international now, we heard Professor Thierry Bro tell us last hour that it's underway in Paris, or at least in France. So I went back and I found that on the 4th of December, in the Globe and Mail, there was this op-ed that was written by Professor Coates, and the headline is, the lead is, Canada's failure to properly respond to protests threatens democracy and the rule of law. The country is entering this current age of unrest, weakened and unsure of how to cope with an assertive citizenry. Ken, thank you for coming on the program. This this was, what's the word, prescient? I don't know how to pronounce that. Prescient, prescient, I don't know how to pronounce it. But well, it was. Yeah, it was I, hope, I, hope it, I hope it's of some value. It, it was designed to sort of draw people's attention to the danger of not standing up for the rule of law and also not respecting the, the bounds of protest. Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be timely. It did. So let me just read a couple of lines at the beginning of, the, of your of your piece. These are tumultuous times. Remember, this is the 4th of December this appeared. These are tumultuous times. The 2020s may not match the power to the people protests of the 1960s or even the Occupy movements and anarchist uprisings of the 2010s. But recent Canadian conflicts have a nasty and angry edge. And while the country may have avoided the kinds of very destructive conflicts experienced south of the border, the reemergence of bitter confrontations challenges democracy and once more tests the ability of our government to sustain the rule of law. So please, Ken, where are we? Uh, we're not doing very well, to be honest. Um, and then in one sense, it's kind of hard to put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube because you sort of wish they'd been doing this about two or three years ago. So what's happened is in the last last five or ten, ten years, we've taken a very lax approach to sort of protests. We've let groups tolerate, you know, interrupt rail lines for, for, for days and days and days on end. We've had you know, shutdowns of uh, perfectly legitimate, fully permitted uh, pipeline projects in Western Canada. Um, these are all legitimate, appropriate work that's being done, everyday, everyday lives of everyday people. And somebody decides, my opinion, my, my political opinion, is more valuable than all the dislocation, all the problem that I'm counting, that I'm that I'm, I'm causing, and and we didn't do it back then, and now we're all of a sudden faced with something that's that's huge, and and this protest is actually circulating not just you mentioned Paris, it's in New Zealand now, and they're actually calling themselves you know the truckers convoy, and they're they're laying siege to Parliament, not, not in a military sense, but they're they're down there. I should mention because I think you'll find this interesting, Roy, that the New Zealand government's taking a far more aggressive approach. They've arrested like 122 people yesterday, and they've really taken out the full armament today 
what they've done is they're starting to play Barry Manilow songs as a way of trying to get people to leave the parliamentary precinct uh, and stay away from the front yard of the legislature. So, you know, that, that you're talking about a government that's really serious when they're putting Barry Manilow on a t- 10 yeah, minute five minutes, loop. five minutes of Mandy and I'm gone. <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, so, so we've, we've lost the opportunity to do it right. And now we're trying to struggle and sort of, you know, figure out how to get rid of this one conflict. Um, you know, the people behind this protest, there are some, some anarchists, there's some really intense people. There's a hundreds of their thousands of very normal average everyday Canadians who, who've got legitimate things to protest about. They just have chosen to do it in non-legitimate ways. Yeah, I just want to read a little more from your column because it really speaks to what you just said, and it takes us into my next question. The parameters are clear. So if we're talking about protest, the kind of protests that take place, what people expect and what people will tolerate, and probably more significantly even what governments will tolerate because they ultimately have the power to stop the protest, depending on how much of that power they choose to exercise. The parameters are clear. Governments make laws and regulations. The police and the courts enforce these rules. Protesters express their points of view and to attract attention and reinforce their points, disrupt regular activities. Provided the protests are time-limited, non-destructive, and without immediate consequences for people, resources, and facilities, the police and governments tolerate short-term disruptions. Problems emerge when the protests are prolonged, when there's violence, if commercial interests are disrupted, or if broader society is seriously inconvenienced, when people become unruly, when the law is ignored, when the duly constituted authority is threatened, lines have literally been crossed. So that has all happened in the last three weeks. And yet we've looked at government and particularly the federal government that has been caught, let me be generous here, caught in the paralysis of analysis. I, I hope they're doing at least some analysis. I've been really surprised uh, in the sense that they knew this was coming. It's not as though people sort of magically appeared in Ottawa one day and they go, oh, my gosh, we've got a protest in front of our, our parliament. They had had days to work on this and they had strategies and they had plans. Uh, they turned out not to be the right strategies or the right plans. They certainly didn't work. I think they underestimated the number of people, but they completely underestimated uh, their determination. So the people behind this protest, you're seeing it now in the Ambassador's Bridge, you're seeing it now in, in all across the country, down in Alberta, in Saskatchewan. People are, are have a real bug in their ear about the whole idea of not just vaccine mandates, but the, the growing authority and interventions of government. That's a really serious challenge uh, to the political political powers that be in this country. Um, and these folks are determined to make their, their point heard. But I think the, the overwhelming majority of Canadians are perfectly happy to hear those arguments. What they're not happy to hear is people having days and days of, of disruptions in downtown Ottawa, having the southern Ontario economy shut down uh, because of the, the blockage on the Ambassador Bridge. I mean, clearly we have to do better as a country in keeping these things under control. So governments have had the opportunity to prepare. That's not... Um surprise that Canadians are fed up, that we've had enough, that these 22 months are being locked down on several occasions. When we've been told that we're going, if you're vaccinated twice, you're going to be fine. Life will return to normal. No, it won't. You're going to be vaccinated a third time. And now here comes the annual vaccination and people are getting their backs up. They're speaking out. They're on social media. They sh- governments should have seen this coming. They did see it coming. But they are not prepared. Is it because, let me be generous again, are they caught in the paralysis of analysis or are they just deer in the headlights? 
I, I think, to be honest, and this applies to all the governments, it's very much a deer in the headlights. I think they expected that the truckers uh, and the freedom convoys would act like all the other protests in Canada, uh, which basically, you know, people make their point and then they go home. Um, and I always draw people's attention to the fact that we had a magnificent example of how to do this properly. And that's Idle No More. 2012, 2013, there are actually several hundred protests. It was very similar to what we're seeing right now. They also did not have an organized leadership. They did not have a clear platform. It wasn't a, a well-orchestrated you know, political movement in that particular kind of sense. Uh, but they were not violent. Violent. They did not disrupt things very much. They closed down you know, the Lionsgate Bridge for an hour, that kind of thing, disrupted the Gardner Street for a couple of hours. These were, these were inconveniences. They weren't ma major dislocations of everyday life. And what happened with Idle No More is that the country as a whole looked and said, these folks are really serious about this. They're really making a point. Okay, we've listened to them. And we've had a huge change since 2012 in the approach of all governments across this country to Indigenous people. In other words, they got, they got their message through. You've got a situation now where governments are actually reluctant to, to do what they were going to do anyway, which is remove some of these restrictions in an organized kind of way, because they don't want the... The, uh, the protesters should think they won. Um, and in fact, we actually heard this in Manitoba where the government actually came out and said, okay, we're going to start removing restrictions, uh, you know, this next week. And the reaction by some of the people in the protest lines were, ah, they listened to us, they followed through. Well, they were actually already planning that. And governments are now playing this really interesting game of saying, boy, if we give in to them now, then the next group that has a thing with us is going to come down and protest in the same sort of way. We have not put parameters around legitimate protest in this country. We've, we've let it sort of get away from us in a whole bunch of different ways. The, the freedom convoys have taken advantage of that, of that laxness and that weakness, uh, and, they've, and now we're paying a price. And I, I tell you what I worry about is two things. I worry about the fact that other protesters will say, well, Freedom Convoy got away with this, so now we know the tactics that actually will work in the future to get not only the country's attention, but the globe's attention. But we've also given enormous credence to, to this idea that the, the government is not listening to the people. And in this context, I don't mean just the, the Liberal government, but I mean all of Parliament. They've, they've, they've been you know, inconsistent, they've been quiet, they haven't really been meeting very much with the, with the truckers. They should have done that, you know, not, not when they got to Ottawa and caused problems, they should have been meeting with them back in their constituencies uh, for weeks on end, which is they, the local provincial politicians have been doing that, and the provincial politicians are being more responsive. Yeah, well, unfortunately, and I said this to Brian Mulrooney, Brian Mulrooney, Ken, in, in 1991, I had a one-hour sit-down exclusive interview with Brian Mulrooney in Toronto, and I said to him at the time, Mr. Prime Minister, one of the things that I hear repeatedly is that at the constituency level, the members of parliament we elect have no power, no significance, no say, because it all comes back to you making the decision about what's going to take place. And he said, I'm tired of the bitchers and complainers. And that went around the country. That quote went across the country, and I thought, bad move, bad quote. It came back to bite him. But we have, again, we have a situation where I think this liberal government and it probably would be true of any any party that were in power, it all comes back to the person who's sitting at the head of the table. They all defer, and those who don't can are gone from the caucus, gone from the party. And so you have an ineffectual situation. I'm editorializing here. An ineffectual situation where one person makes the call, and if that person makes the wrong call, here we are. 
Well, that certainly seems to be the case, and not just at the federal level, but provincially in different provinces and, and what have you. Um, I think we're, we actually are seeing a really serious challenge to the way we do politics in this country. And, and we have to give, you know, we can be frustrated. I'm frustrated as heck with the, with the protesters. I have uh, my two sons, two oldest sons, both live in, in Ottawa, and they're seeing their life disrupted in a whole bunch of ways. And I think, okay, you made your point, you know, shut down, get out of the way, you know, you, what have you. I think we're actually seeing the beginning of a, of a much more worrisome sort of movement. The people who were strongly opposed to government intervention in this country a year and a half ago probably represented about 2% of the, of the electorate. Um, in the federal election, if you take the People's Party vote as, as a significant thing, that was up to 5%. I think it's at least 10 to 15% now and probably growing larger. So I don't think the Freedom Convoy is going to have whatever effect it has on the vaccine mandates. Those things are starting to go. Canada is one of the last countries to liberalize their, their rules and regulations. We're seeing the end of that, which is really, really good. Um, right. But I think we haven't saw, seen the end of, of a restructuring of Canadian politics, where people are going to demand very dramatic changes. Ken, one of the things they could have done, Trudeau could have done, he's, he could have followed the uh, the uh, wishes of the Ch- Canadian Chamber of Commerce, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, several premiers, Kenny and Mo, both have been on this program, said the very same thing, and that is, don't put in place a cross-border trucker vaccine mandate in the middle of January. If you want to do it later in the summer, fine, but not now. It's terrible timing. He didn't listen. He was stubborn about it. Other times he's been absent. So I don't know where that fits into, or if it does fit into what you're about, just tell us about what's to come as far as changes are concerned in the way governments and people interact. Well, who knows in one sense, right? These are, these are really difficult and complicated times. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens in the coming months and kind of worrisome. Because the number one, I think you're going to see a very strong increase in those people who are opposed to the idea of government. The, the, the mantras around freedom and the mantras around tyranny are, are exaggerated, but they're really finding an audience, partly because of the, the frustrations. But also, you've got to remember, in the last two years, we've seen the government do way more in our lives than they've done for a long time. And it isn't all about the COVID. This is about government writing all sorts of new programs and spending big deficits. So we're going to see an anti-government movement of considerable importance. The question is whether the conservatives contain this within them and they try to try to grab onto that group and keep within the conservative party or whether that breaks away toward the People's Party or some other organization. Um, and other using John Iverson's point, which he made in I don't call him actually just, just today, um, is whether or not we're going to see the emergence of, a, of another party. You know, I think right now about 50% of Canadians are not well represented by any political party. They're not Greens, they're not Liberals, they're not Conservatives, they're not NDPers. They're actually just kind of old, you know, uh, Bill Davis, if you understand the Ontario reference, right? Bill, Bill Davis Canadians who are, they want good, decent government. They want to build proper infrastructure. They want to be left alone to start new businesses. They want to have some, some great economic opportunities. That's where Canadians are. We're, we're, but the parties right now are, are fragmenting and not representing us very well. So the question is, will, will the political parties chase after this, this kind of renegade vote? Or will they sort of sit back and think, who are we not hearing from? You know, you have the very shrill commentaries by Mark Carney on one side of talking about sedition and treason and using language we've never heard of before. We've got a prime minister who is deliberately dividing the country and calling people really nasty names. I'm sure there are some racists out there somewhere among all those tens of thousands of people across the country. But I'm also sure it's a very, very small number. 
Um, and that the vast majority of them are people who are not reacting that way. They, they see it very, very differently. And, and so I think we've got a, a, a prime minister who's dividing people rather than unifying you know, a liberal party represented by Mark Carney who's going in one direction. The conservatives basically trying to flip-flop like a fish on the dock, trying to figure out which way they want to go. Yeah. Back in the boat or back in the water. And, right. and I, I, this, this uncertainty is going to really haunt us for the next, next year or two or three. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.